Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and I have a new guest with me here today. I have filmmaker Jenny Tooley here. Say hi, Jenny. Hey, everybody. Hey, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yes, I'm so excited. So Jenny is working on a film called Stuck. It's a work in progress currently, and you can see um, a screening of this film this Saturday at the Angelica at 10 p.m. as part of Alternative Fiction Festival. And so it's a great opportunity to be there with a filmmaker. And um, I'll go ahead and read the synopsis really quick, and then I'm just so excited to dive in and just discuss this with you. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, A ballerina with a baby and a coke habit. A regret-filled sister caught between her head and her heart. A country singer hiding out in her hometown. And at the center, a woman struggling to remember them all through the veil of her fading memories. I love that. I I have to tell you, like, right away when I read the synopsis, it, it, it definitely grabbed me. And, mm-hmm. you know, just had me excited to kind of dive into this world and try to fit all this together, which is, I guess, sort of the theme of the movie in a way. So basically what I set out to do uh, was kind of twofold. I wanted to tell a story what it's like to lose your mind, whether that's through uh, struggling with the disease of Alzheimer's or active addiction or trying to control those two diseases, being a loved one. Um, so the narrative storylines, which are not necessarily narrative storylines, um, really reflect that. But what I also wanted to do was to create a film that had you viscerally experience that, what it's like to lose your mind and be in the mind of uh, someone who has some sort of disease. Because I made it the way I made it, um, it it's constructed in a very semi-linear way and not everything always connects together in the way you want it to. Mm. So just like um, a family member or friend who's struggling with somebody they love who has Alzheimer's or is in active addiction wants to try to make sense of what's going on or try to control that thing, that, that control the situation that's exactly what's happening to people as they leave the movie. (laughs) They're trying to really make a lot of sense in places and try to really put it together so that they can feel okay. And um, unfortunately, that's not always how we get to feel in those situations. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really important to get across. I think, uh, you know, without giving anything away, I think that when you watch this film, you are seeing it from different perspectives of the different characters in the movie and what they're struggling with trying to piece things together. And you as the audience are trying to do that as well. 
And I think mm-hmm. if you look at it maybe that way, you know, you can, like I said, without, there is a mystery in the movie, but without coming out and saying what that mystery is, that's part of the process. So it's okay to feel that way while you're watching it, because that's intentional, like you said. Absolutely. And um, as a filmmaker, I've kind of had to go, oh, right. Some people are going to be kind of mad at me when they leave this movie. <laughs> that's okay. All right. That's you okay. I, that means I succeeded. I agree. Some of my favorite films are highly controversial in how people have received them. And I think any movie that you go see and then you walk away and you have something to talk about and discuss and mull over, I enjoy that about it. Um, I feel like that's a good experience and I recognize not everybody feels that way. But if you do, I think that this is a movie that definitely, you know, scratches that itch for you. So I I really appreciate that about it. Um, I was going to say, too, uh, you know, I I was reading through your background and, uh, of course, heard you uh, this past Saturday. Uh, You mentioned that you started in acting and you were in some pretty big things, uh, for instance, in Boyhood as Ethan Hawke's second wife. And um, so you kind of made a journey from acting into filmmaking. Can you give our audience a little bit of feedback about that? Like, how did how did that process go and what what led you to directing? Sure. Um, So my early background is absolutely in in acting, Mm -hmm. uh, but it was also in doing site specific performance um, work. So I was doing, I was producing kind of site-specific um, art pieces and theater pieces that were really visually stimulating, um, where we would take people places, and like creeks or on top of buildings or things like that. Gotcha. And somehow, when I moved from Dallas to New York, it kind of lost its excitement to try to do site-specific performance because it's so crazy up there. (laughs) And I think that that's where the transition started was I needed somewhere else to go um, where I could tell these stories that Mm. were visually taking place in my mind that you couldn't really do in a theater because my background was really mostly theater and film. Um. And I, when I got to New York, I had been flying high. I had been kind of one of those go-to actors in Dallas where I didn't have to audition for anything anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, People would just call me. And um, I'd done Wishbone and Walker, Texas Ranger, which were all the things you did at that time. And I'd been in Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket and Mark Pellington's Arlington Road so I got up there and started talking to agents, and it just did not go very well. <laughs> and I left acting. Um, I had just lost too much of me in the process of trying to be something for some, everybody else. Like, I thought I had to be something different. Gotcha. So um, I started writing and very quickly realized that what I was writing, because the first thing I wrote was stuck, and that was 18 years ago. Um. I very quickly realized no one else was going to be able to produce that film. <laughs> it was he- yeah, heavily placed in my brain. Um, and I knew I was going to have to learn how to make movies. Um, so that's what I did. And I trans, I just jumped into it. I just decided I was going to get a team together and we'd make part of stuck, which we did. It didn't, uh, we, we got 20 minutes of it done. 
it's a dead storyline. She's no longer around. Um, and we were not able to raise the money I wanted to raise at that time to finish Stuck, but I kept going. I decided I was going to make a short film because huh, that should be easier, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, in, in the way I do things, I made a really hard short film, not the brilliant of two people in one location, but, you know, um, a, many scenes at a bar with a full group of background actors and all kinds of music and everything else. Um, and that actually showed at the Dallas Video Festival uh, in 2007 and premiered at Sundance. And um, I just kind of kept trudging along and helping other people do their work. Um, and then I left New Jersey and went to Austin and decided I might try acting again. Uh, but I knew I was going to do it on my own terms this time. And uh, I found a fantastic agent there, Call Your Talent. And she basically said, I love your resume. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you, you know, don't do what you don't want. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, one of the first auditions I went to was Boyhood. And it was a time where I was experimenting with just being myself. So for the audition for Boyhood, um, they had us read... And, uh, some sides from a Lifetime movie, which was so strange. <laughs> so I'm auditioning for this mysterious thing. It was eight years into Boyhood. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but I started getting a sense that this was something I wanted to do because it was a little weird <laughs> and experimental. So I'm reading off from this Lifetime movie side and, um, he just started, Richard was there, Richard Linklater, and he just asked me questions. And I, I answered them honestly instead of going, oh, I totally love blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, uh, I used to live in New York. It was really hard. Um, I used to do experimental theater and uh, blah, 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 blah. And I was just myself. And um, I booked that role. And when we got to the set, Ethan Hawke walked up to me and he said, when Richard auditioned, he auditioned three people and he said, I know which one it is, but I'm going to show them to you. And I want you to tell me which one you like. And Ethan automatically went, Oh, it's, it's her. It's Jenny Tooley. And he told me the reason was because I had talked about being in New York and talked about doing experimental theater and how hard it was. <laughs> so it was, a great lesson that I just needed to be myself and that that could attract, um, you know, could attract work and like-minded people. And who knew that it was going to be nominated for an Oscar and win a um, Golden Globe and everything else that it did. Yeah, you can never, you never know. And I mean, that that's such a beautiful story just about, you know, you finding that that just being yourself is, is enough. You know, it's like you, and it's the best, way to be you know it's your brand and it kind of I, I guess like guides you towards the projects that you want to work with and you know that makes a lot of sense why you would do this film that is you know experimental in a way and, and it is so different and unique and I think that that does attract you know an audience that that looks for things like that yeah and being yourself it turns out is a lot easier than having <laughs> to be somebody else <laughs> yeah I'm sure 
Well, so for this film, uh, I think th this is the first time you, you've you've uh, screened it one time, right? And but this is the first time where you guys are in the audience. We screened it last week, and um, we were in the audience. Mm -hmm. It was a very friendly audience. Oh, okay, okay. So this will be our yeah our first screening, like with a lot of people coming in cold and not being not knowing us. Gotcha. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like about seeing it with a live audience? Um, hmm. I'm not sure I'm at the point yet where I, I like seeing it with a live audience. <laughs> okay, no worries. <laughs> uh, but the, gr the great thing about it is I've been alone in a room for a really long time. Um, it's taken two years to edit it and get it through color and sound. And... Um, Really, the only contact with people I have is with my sound designer, Bruce Richardson, who I is a long, long time collaborator. Um, we have a great relationship. He's here in Dallas, and our colorist is in LA. I tried to find a Dallas person, but couldn't. So even with the colorist, I'm not in the same room with her. Um, mm. So it's just been so nice to be amongst my fellows and um, have it out in the world and have a shared energy around it. Um, one of the beautiful things I think that I did not expect was when I wrote it in 2001, Alzheimer's was not something people talked about. It was not as big of an issue. And uh, when I talk about it then, people be look at me kind of quizzically. Um, mm. Today, anytime I talk about it, somebody tells me a story about their loved one that they've dealt with who has Alzheimer's yeah. and after the screening I had a young woman who literally she just walked up to me and I could see her heart was very open and she said thank you so much my grandmother was put in hospice today she has dementia this meant so much to me and you totally hit it on the nose this is this is this was really needed so I think that's perhaps my favorite thing about being with audiences um, being able to connect with people through the movie. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Uh, I think the the parts of the movie that hit me the most were probably the parts in, in like the hospital room. Um, those felt really mm -hmm. real to me. And, you know, I, I do have people in my family, like on my, uh, in my husband's family, his grandmother is going through that right now. My grandmother had Parkinson's, uh, but there's a lot of crossover and just, you know, seeing somebody differently and, and what they're going through. And I think it's very humanizing, uh, you know, that person is is who they are. I mean, they're still the same person. They're just trapped in, um, in, in, in this, you know, their fading memories and struggling through that. And I think sometimes on film... Uh, somebody that has that disease is not always portrayed the right way, I guess you could say. And this way, I mm -hmm. in this movie, I think it's very like emotional and empathetic. And so I, I do appreciate that about it. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so you're also, when you're showing this film, you are going to pass out some uh, a link, right? Yeah, um, we are doing a survey and we will have a link. At, at the other screening, we were able to actually sit down, take 30 minutes for people to fill out a paper survey mm -hmm. and then talk about the movie. At this one, though, I think we're going to just pass out 
a card with a SurveyMonkey link so people gotcha. can go and give feedback about it. And I, I know that Bart will do a, a Q&A. And I also, you know, we've been talking about this um, uh, in, a, in a very heartfelt way, but the movie is a, a pretty wild ride as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely so, agree. Um, I think that that is also something I love about it is it's, it is, we call it uh, like, it's a little mysterious, a little rock and roll. Um, but it's definitely engaging and, and a wild ride if you can keep up with it. No, I completely agree. I, the second I sat down and started watching it, I was really interested and pulled in. And then as the movie starts to kind of you know, as things start to fill in, I realize that there is a mystery at the center of it. And I'm a sucker for mysteries. So <laughs> I was really excited about that part of it. And the fact that it's kind of hitting some of those sweet spots, like it's a mystery, it's psychological, but it's also surreal. I think that all those elements together are really cool because I think there's been a few movies that have done that, but this is done in a different way. And I like that it's all female driven too. You know, most of the, or all the main characters really are female. And I think that's unique about it as well. So you're kind of getting a different perspective on that. And I think there's a lot of women out there that like these types of films. And so I just think it's, mm -hmm. it's great that it has all that in it. Yeah. Um, I wanted definitely to make a film that was not a Hallmark movie. <laughs> um, that that we could relate to as men and women, um, but definitely it had strong female characters because it seems to me like we don't get enough really strong. And when I say strong, I don't mean like, I am a strong woman. I can do anything. <laughs> I mean, like complex human female characters. Yeah. Um, we need a few more of those out there in, in our in our media world. I totally agree. I have to say, um, just wanted to give your, your colleague a shout out. Her name was uh, Joanna Schellenberg. Am I saying that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she yes. played Tanya or Joe's boss. Mm -hmm. um, and I she was my favorite character. I just wanted to make sure I plugged that. Um, she, she, Thank you. <laughs> she really pulled me in and I loved the scenes that she did. I thought, you know, she plays a, a recovering alcoholic who's desperate to to regain custody of her first child who was legally taken from her. Um, I don't want to say too much more because, you know, more will be revealed in the movie. But um, she was my favorite. And I, I love that you wrote her so relatable because I think that sometimes that type of character just is the bad guy. And I didn't get that sense in this movie. And I thought that Joanna really humanized her. And so I just wanted to make sure that, that I mentioned that. Thank you, because that was one of my main concerns about that character is that she was not going to be liked. She was not going to be a human being. And um, it took a long time to find Joanna Schellenberg, who was already right in front of my face, um, <laughs> who just really did a beautiful, beautiful job at, at doing exactly what you said. I'm so blessed that she she worked on the project. Yeah, she was awesome. Um so, you know, I guess this kind of leads into my next question, because you mentioned uh, in, the, in the press release that you felt like what really worked for you about this film was that you were surrounded by 
by such great people, like a strong cast. Um, and I wanted to see if you could expound on that, I guess, from the perspective of, you know, maybe would-be filmmakers. Um, you know, what about having those great people around you? Like, what were you looking for? And, and what do you mean by that? As a, as a filmmaker who doesn't have a lot of technical experience, it's been incredibly important to me to surround myself with a team of people who, who has that experience and can fill the gap. Um, and those people, I need to be able to be humble and have humility while having a strong vision and being able to express that and hold my core around that vision. Um, but I need to be willing to know when I'm, I don't know something and I need to, to get more information or really need to rely on somebody else. And those people that I'm relying on in turn, they also, you know, they, the, I think it's that all, all of our egos need to be in check so that we're collaborating. That's what's been really important to me is that we're collaborating on something, whether you're a background extra or the DP, um, we're all kind of equals in this thing and collaborating together to create something. Um, the people that I've surrounded myself with, um, it's been really important for me to sift through the people. I started, when I was going to do this in 2005, I had a number of great people around me, but their way of doing things was much different from mine, and it, did, it didn't resonate. Um, and I thought that I needed to do it their way because I didn't know enough. For, I'll be honest with you, my esteem was so low at that point. My confidence was so low that I didn't believe that I knew best for my own project. Um, when I came back to it in 2015, I started to have to trust myself and know this is the film I'm going to make. Um, the, this is how I'm going to raise this money. And this is how I'm going to deal with my community. So I, I felt strongly we needed to create a community from the very beginning. And if people, if my collaborators were not interested in working that way, then either I said, okay, I'm not interested in working with that person, or they kind of fell off the team because they, they really didn't get what we were doing, which was fine. Um, so create, surrounding myself with like-minded people was really, really important. So what do I mean by that? Um, one of the things that happened was we knew I really wanted to, to do this on a $250,000 budget so I could at least pay everybody something. Um, but at our second Kickstarter campaign, it became very clear we weren't going to be able to raise all that money. And we were starting to burn out. It was a very small team of uh, about three of us that were running that. And I had to stop and get real with myself and say, okay, I need to make the movie. Um, and I'm going to go we're going to do it on $22,000, which is kind of insane. Let's, let's make this movie on $22,000. And I, I said to everyone, you know, I know that I promised you I was going to try to pay you. We're not able to do that. Would you be able to work on this as a passion project? And everybody but one person said yes. Wow. Like all the people that, yeah, all of our tech people who were already signed on and our cast 
we're all like, yes. Um, so if I had tried to go to somebody who needed to work for money or had something about money, um, or wanted a back end deal, that's really where I had to start drawing some lines to is I can't do any of that. I need to get real with that. So no, I can't do that. And it was just, I think, clarity of communication. We also, there were some people that might have been investors, but I wasn't willing, I was not willing to go the investor route anymore. I was just going to go pure donations. Um, and they just had a different mindset about things. And I knew it in my gut. I was like, these are not the people to bring into your, to your community, particularly your fundraising community. You're going to have problems here later. Mm. So we didn't. And um, I think just trusting yourself at a certain point is so important because it gets really convoluted and confusing, especially on a project this size that has lasted for this long. Gotcha. Well, I love that answer. That's that's. I think that's really helpful. I mean, anytime that I've had someone on my show that has experience with filmmaking or is a filmmaker, um, I always ask them questions like that because I think that is such you know, you have powerful insight just because you've gone through this process for somebody that might be thinking about getting into it or just curious about it. Um, and on that note, do you have any advice uh, for any future filmmakers? I think what I have learned, my what my journey has been about has been follow your own vision, Jenny. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be hard sometimes, um, and it's going to be lonely sometimes, but surround yourself with people, uh, that really love you and your work. And, uh, the other thing was find something bigger to believe in. Maybe that's the thing. <laughs> if you don't have like a God or a higher power or something, find something because there's going to be days where you need something bigger than you that you can rely on that's going to show up with what you need because it is not going to look like it's going to be there. <laughs> so um, to maintain my own serenity, I always had to be like, okay, because I didn't want to be the crazy filmmaker. I didn't want to go <laughs> insane. I didn't want to be stressed out and miserable all the time. So I had to believe something else was going to show up with what I needed. And it always happened. Um, so I guess just trusting, trusting yourself and trusting something bigger. Awesome. Was there anything specifically that you wanted to, to plug about the movie or that you wanted to make sure uh, fit into this? Mm. Well, um, we have a fantastic Facebook page that you can follow us on. Um, what else? What else is going on? I also have a Patreon page, uh, for those who aren't familiar with that. Basically it's a, an online platform in which, um, I'm able to, to directly, uh, interact with my patrons and they're able to, uh, help support me financially and be a part of my journey and get all kinds of fun stuff in return as well. Um, and that's uh, www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, 
backslash Jenny Tooley. So head on over there. That's uh, pretty cool. Even if you don't subscribe to me, you might want to just look around. There's so many awesome creators on there. Yeah, I always try to plug creators on this show. And I think your strategy of, you know, creating and building a community is just really cool. Because I think a lot of people want to be involved in that process, and they want to feel like they're a part of it. And the fact that you're interacting with them and getting their feedback. And I think that only helps, you know, with with your film and, and it, you know, you surround yourself with great people that are supportive. And now you have a ton of people out there that are supporting you as well. So I think that's great. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you, it's, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I, we're actually about to be, to be finished with the movie. So real quick, I wanted to ask, you know, since there is that that link at the end, if if our audience goes and they see this movie in person again, Saturday at 10 o'clock, what kind of feedback are you looking for in that survey? Oh, um, we let's see. The feedback is about your overall experience. Would you recommend it to a friend? Um, Were you confused? And if you were? (laughs) Did that bother you? <laughs> um, some feedback about what scenes they like the most and the least, and uh, feedback about what care they connected with. Uh, just things like that to get some more insight about how how people are responding uh, to the movie. And I got to say, it's hilarious because I I've read through quite a few of them, and I can line up a pay, uh, a survey that says these are the scenes I like the least and I'll have take another survey and I'll put it right next to it. And it's like, these are the scenes I like the most. And they're the same scenes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. so I guess kind of a follow-up question to that is what is your estimated completion date? Uh, my goal is to be completed by March 1st. That'll give us, um, that will allow us to be able to submit to a uh, con or can film festival, however you want to pronounce it. And then uh, get started on our festival strategy um, for, for, for filmmakers out there who are looking to, to do this. That's not the festival strategy I would have suggested, um, <laughs> but we couldn't, we tried to finish our film by the end of last year so that we could submit to Sundance, which, you know, that's, you really have to have an advocate to get into Sundance at this point, but it's good to submit anyway. Um, but South by Southwest, I really felt like that would have been our first, our first go-to, mm-hmm. but we just couldn't make that deadline. And um, I was like, I'm not going to sit on this film for another year to try for the 2020, you know, circuit. So we're going to do something different. Nice. <laughs> Roll with it. Yeah. That's what we've been doing the whole time. So why not continue the trend? (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Jenny, um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with me today. This is super exciting. And I can't wait for, you know, my audience to go out there and see your film. Um, And and I guess if they if they miss this Saturday, then they can go check you out on your Facebook page, which is just titled Stuck, correct? Stuck Film Texas, I believe, is 
we tried to get everything aligned and I believe it's all stuck film Texas okay. at this point. Perfect. Yeah. And if you search, so that's our hashtag or Instagram, everything. Awesome. Yeah. And if, if, if my audience goes in and searches stuck, you pop up immediately too. So that's another yeah. way to find you as well. But yeah, you can check out the progress on there of, of your film and on your Patreon. Um, yeah. yeah so I, um, oh, go ahead. On Patreon until, until Sunday on Patreon, I am giving all everybody who's already a member or a new member at any benefit level the opportunity to watch the screener online and do a survey. Oh, awesome. That's great. So if they can't yeah, if they can't come to the screening on Saturday, if they join Patreon this week, which is only a few <laughs> more days, um, they can participate that way. Oh, perfect. Well that's awesome. Um so my last question for you is I mentioned uh before we started recording that our typical format is i usually uh my guest picks a movie we both watch it we mull over it we come back we talk about you know the director the plot the actors everything else but we also talk about that person's connection with the movie so it's usually a movie that the person's seen a million times that they've memorized they're basically an expert on um if we did that what movie do you think you would pick Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you know what? I know it's hard. When you love movies, there's so many of them. But do you have like a maybe like a top five? Hmm. Okay. My top <laughs> five. So, okay. Okay. I have to go. Um, I, I, all right. Alien. One of my top five yes, movies. I love it. We've we've talked about that on this show. Um, I that's that's probably in my like top twenty five movies of all time. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then we go all the way out to Suzanne Beers uh, after the wedding, which is a beautifully shot and acted and directed film. Um, she's what is she Danish? Um. Hmm. And if we talk about films that influence stuck, which I probably wouldn't get watched anymore because I'm trying to lighten up in my world. <laughs> uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. I love that movie. I actually have that poster on my wall. I know that's dark, but I really like that movie. Oh, it's so brilliant. Um, oh, after I got done watching that, I thought I'd throw up. <laughs> And after I got done watching Pi, I, I had a horrible headache. I hated him. I was like, Darren Aronofsky, ugh, hate your movie. <laughs> I love um, Pi. <laughs> and that's when I realized that's exactly what he was trying to do was to, yeah. you know, make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> he's very, he's like a very yeah, like, visceral director. I mean, the, the visuals, the sound, everything, it evokes an experience out of you for sure. Yes. Um, and uh, Christopher Nolan was one of the, the his early stuff. Um, well, and of course, still his stuff is when he goes out there, he goes out there. Mm-hmm. Um, influenced this too. So, and I think there's some mainstream movies that I I go to that just make me laugh. Oh well, you know what's getting me through? And these these are just like present day ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting me through this process is Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh, I don't think I've seen which that. Which is a del- Yeah, uh, it's directed by Stephen Frears, and it's Meryl Streep, 
it's delightful and it's all about doing something you love, even though you may suck at it, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes hand in hand with disaster artists. So <laughs> those are my two friends right now. They're getting me through this process. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, if you ever come back, you know, you should pick one of those movies and we'll discuss it. It's super fun. Oh, yeah. It sounds delightful. Yeah. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I look forward to seeing the process of your movie and, and looking forward to when it comes out. And I'll plug that, too. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has yeah. just been a great conversation and such a wonderful opportunity. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much. <laughs>